Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read all of the chapters posted on This Is Shown on Jump website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this week we read Fairy Tale Volume 1 as we are reading Shonen stuff all summer yet again. And all I know about Fairy Tale is it's very popular. Yeah. Oh, and the guy who did Rave Master did it. Yep. Before that, though, we have a full Shonen Jump, as always, including a brand new series and a final chapter of a series. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and start with the brand new Ayakashi Triangle Chapter 1. That's a name I did not write down, so off to a good start with this one. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Ayakashi Triangle, Kevin? It seems potentially interesting. I do really like the art in it. Like, yeah. It looks really well done. I looked it up. Apparently the, the artist is the guy or trained underneath the illustrator of Bakuman and Death Note. Okay. Which I thought was kind of neat. Because they were like, hey, it's from this guy. I'm like, I, I don't know who that is, so let me look that up. <laughs> it's a really weird first chapter. It's pretty generic shonen stuff until the very end. And the very end is, seems to be the premise for the series. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, maybe it, this is the thing that will get resolved in the you know, first arc or whatever. But it seems like th the main thrust of the series isn't actually introduced until the very end. Yes. Which made it kind of hard to rank, because other than that, it's very generic shonen stuff. There's The main character is Matsuru Kazumaki, who is basically his parents hunt yokai. So yeah. he has inherited the family yokai killing business. Yeah. He's a wind ninja. Yes, he is an exorcist ninja. Yes, which he has done because his best friend Suzu attracts spirits and they want to eat her. Mm -hmm. His childhood friend, I should say. Yes. She has romantic feelings towards him, and the 400-year-old evil cat yokai of this chapter doesn't want him to be defeated and have it lead to them totally making out. So at the very end, before he's defeated, he casts a gender-swapping spell on the main character. Yes, before all of, most of his power is sealed. Mm -hmm. Also, he's not doing it just so that they won't make out. It's Initially, he's trying to eat her because she looks yeah. super tasty. But, I, I thought I mentioned that. No. But yeah, in the end, that's his motivation for changing his gender. <laughs> yes. Is at the end when he's like, because his grandfather, he pulls a the pacifier from Yu Yu Hakusho of, I've been imbuing my spiritual power into the ceiling scroll for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And is like, all right, yeah, so we can seal this ancient yokai god thing. And so before all of his power gets sealed away, he's like, well, I'll turn you into a girl so that you can't hook up. Yes. So I don't know. It's really hard to judge this chapter because other than that, it's pretty generic. Yeah. The premise does have a lot of potential. Yeah. But we'll have to see. Is there anything else you wanted to say about it? Nope. All right, then. That will bring us to the Promised Neverland final chapter, Beyond Destiny. What did you think of this ending, Kevin? I thought it was still pretty good. I've kind of said what I've thought about the ending of Promised Neverland. It's been like a very weird ride to me. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's just because I wasn't as invested in the characters as you. I didn't hate this chapter. Mm -hmm. Probably liked it more than the way that Demon Slayer ended, in fact. I feel like it kind of settled more. Yeah. But it just seems thematically really weird. I mean, I've talked about how odd this beat felt mm -hmm. and the resolution to it also feels just kind of odd i didn't dislike it but it didn't give me like strong ending feelings either okay i did really like it i liked so essentially emma has lost all her memories which we knew but she meets up with the rest of the gang after two years of them searching everywhere they can think of and at first she's like well I can't be with you guys because I don't remember you all. And at first everyone seems really dejected, like, oh no, Emma lost her memories. But then Norman is like, oh, thank God, you're still here. And, like, it doesn't matter that you can't remember us. We're still family and we can just make new ones. Yeah. Like I said, it, it, I didn't dislike it. Mm -hmm. It just, the whole, like, cost beat with this felt very odd. And 
I don't know. The the emotions of this arc just didn't hit the way past Promise Neverland arcs really have. Okay. And it's a very odd ending for Emma, I feel. Sort of. I mean, I think the the Norman moment's really good. Certainly, I didn't dislike it. Like I said, it ranked pretty high. But similar to like the Demon Slayer ending, I guess. I mean, I just it didn't. It wasn't the punch I wanted. But I don't know. Ever since Isabella died, like you know, that beat I thought landed pretty well. I had my issues with that, mm-hmm. as we talked about then. Promise Neverland has felt not like it's on life support, but it's felt like it's very slowly ending, and I didn't feel like it exactly went out with a bang. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't think that it necessarily needed to. Like I, I'm not saying that it ended with a whimper and that's fine, but it was just kind of a more gradual ending like like you said everything just kind of settled and that felt Mm -hmm. nice yeah i suppose it just didn't do a lot for me like i felt like i would have rather seen like what becomes of emma or ray or norman or all of them like it doesn't feel like an ending in a lot of ways i guess is where i come down on it i always leave them wanting more (laughs) i mean similar to demon slayer i'll think of the ending more as them kind of finally winning at, at Grace Field. Mm-hmm. I'll think of a Peter Ratiri trying to kill himself and Emma stopping him. Like, that's what I'll think of with the end of Promise Neverland. Is there anything else you wanted to say on it? I Even though this is the final chapter, maybe we will be treated to a Food Wars-style bonus arc that expands on things a little bit more. I'm not saying I, that we, could, I... we necessarily will, but... We could. Um, I wouldn't expect it as much, although I do feel like of all the manga that we've that's ended in Shonen Jump while we've been reading it for this podcast, Food Wars has by far the best ending. Mm-hmm. But like with Demon Slayer, it just felt like that was how the author wanted to end it, and so that's how it ended. Like it wasn't what I wanted, but it felt planned and deliberate. Yeah. And I would say the same about Promise Neverland. It doesn't feel unfinished. It just doesn't feel like it ended on a strong note to me. But Jump's going to be weird with Promise Neverland and Demon Slayer out. and We Never Learn's not got too much longer. Yep. But they always have the perennial One Piece, and next we have One Piece Chapter 982, Scoundrel Meets Scoundrel. What did you think of One Piece this week, Kevin? This was a pretty good chapter of One Piece, but it's just kind of a beat setting up, like, the... Major cliffhanger is this is who's Luffy going to be fighting right now. And then we've kind of got like a here's what's going on with the Straw Hat allies. Or I guess mm-hmm. the Samurai allies. Yeah, we also have Kanjiro showing up with Momonosuke to, and telling Kaido what's going on, kind of. Yes, well and then Momonosuke uh, or Momosuke escaping in the middle of that before he gets executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot going on still, because we're at a dense part of the One Piece story. Um, we also find out that Marcos, like, it was Devil uh, Viper who he was with, and he had sent a message to Luffy that he was going to show up, but they never got it. Well, I like, he might be a bit late, and he was like, what was the point of sending a message with you, Nico Viper, if we get there at the same time? And the guy's like, yeah, I can just yeah. toss it then. I did like that moment of, and it so he tosses it over the end, and we get to read what the message says as it's like fluttering into the ocean. Yeah, when did Luffy have a time to ask Marco to come, I wonder? Has that been established somewhere and I forgot about it, or is this a reveal? I would believe either way. I think it's a reveal, because... But I know we have seen Marco, like, helping out, like, building houses, basically. Yes. <laughs> He's but in the Peace Corps now. I think this was... I think this was Marco being like, I'm here to help out, Od- like, help you out and help Odin out as well. Yeah. Like, kind of, uh, I didn't realize how bad it was in Odin mm, it, until in, uh, you until you said something. Yeah. In Wano, you mean? Yeah, in Wano. Sorry, not in Odin. Yeah. So I think it's it's more of like, he does like Luffy. So he's like, yeah, I'd help you out, especially when it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to go help out Wano where Odin lived and his retainers that were part of the crew. Yeah. Also, Kaido refers to Raftel as Laugh Tale, which we know is what Roger called it. 
Yep. Which I think may be important, or it might just be we're sh now that we know that's what where the name originates. Characters of this might shift to calling it that if they have any reason to be in the know. That's the other only other note I had though. Yeah. But I do love that Usopp and Chopper are together because it's been a really long time since they've been fighting somebody, and that feels like a very classic One Piece. Yes. Although they may not end up fighting Big Mom, they might just get away from her and end up in another battle. Totally possible. Because. Usopp and Chopper can't take Big Mom, but also Usopp and Chopper taking people they can't take is kind of their deal. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I enjoyed it, but like you said, it is kind of a beat. Yeah. In contrast, we have My Hero Academia number 275, Encounter Part 2, which has a lot more action in it. Yes. Shigaraki uses some, a radio quirk to cut communications so the heroes can't just keep talking. Yep. We get more confirmation, like you said, it was obvious last time, but definitely, in case you didn't know about Search. He's definitely using it, yeah. Yeah. And a Gran Torino and Eraserhead show up to help Bakugo and Deku. Yeah. And, and I do like how Eraserhead is now like an almost perfect counter to Shigaraki. Uh, depending on how Eraser and multiple quirks works. Yeah. But I do really like that callback, even though I'm a little cool on those early My Hero Academia arcs compared to other people. I really like the callback for Shigaraki's like, wow, you actually are really a cool guy, Eraserhead. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that where he was like, get, get your filthy or get your rotting paws off my students. Mm hmm. I was going to say, I also really like the kind of like flash forward image we have of Bakugo and Deku starting to disintegrate. Yeah but they're saved by Gran Torino before that happens. Like, that was something really cool of, like, them being like, oh, shit, I, you know, we were just trying to lead him away. I wasn't expecting him to immediately get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Endeavor is nowhere to be seen. I mean, presumably he will show up later. He just has to catch up. He Yeah, he might just not have been able to catch up to Shigaraki, because obviously he's there at the start. He's fighting him. And... Mm-hmm. Deku's like, uh, he'll probably uh, redirect to come after me. And he's like, yeah, get off the line. This is for heroes. And throws an attack. Shigaraki leaves. He's like, no, he's heading directly for you. <laughs> and then yeah. the radio waves get silent. So I'm expecting him to show up still. Like, Maybe another chapter. Or maybe a, as a the cliffhanger at the end of the next chapter. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he's out of this story or out of this fight. I mean, who's going to intercept him? Yeah. But yeah, like I said last week, my hero is finally where I want it to be. Mm. Like even the old men who are here, I care about these old men. Yes. Uh, and if Endeavor shows up, I care about him too. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, next we have Time Paradox Ghost Rider Chapter Five: A True Counterfeit. What did you think of Chapter Five of our new favorite series? Liking it. I really liked the thing where he was like. So I know you were lying and said you didn't think this was perfect, right? And she was like, no. And just the kind of whole deal he goes through where he's like, wait, I've been trying to make her White Knight from 10 years from now. And that's impossible. Of course it ends up coming out looking fake and looking not right. But even if I traced her thing exactly, it still wouldn't quite be right. So I really love that she kind of gives him that pep talk of like, You've got to make your own White Knight. And yeah. everyone, it, when he does the redraws, everyone being like, wow, I'm so glad you went back to the style you went with with your one-shot. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel so much more life in these pages. Maybe it's just me. I like the chapter, and you kind of went over the highlights of it. But this is the first one that felt to me like just a normal chapter of Time Paradox Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. Like, it just... I, it felt... Like a beat, the emotional impacts didn't land that much to me. Okay. I agree with you on those being like important going forward. But unlike Chapter 3, which was really weird, or the other chapters, which I really, really liked, this just felt like a, a normal chapter. And if we get these every week, this series is still going to be one I want to keep. Don't get me wrong. If this is a normal chapter of Time Paradox, then it belongs here, regardless of what is leaving. Yep. But it didn't... The, the the honeymoon felt over in some ways, I guess. It didn't have that sheen that a lot of the chapters did. It, I, it wasn't desperate for the next one at the end of it. I gotcha. I'm still I'm still really interested to flesh out 
the future issues of Shonen Jump more. Yeah. Like, exactly what's going on with that. Although, we'll see if that happens. I feel like that's something you maybe save until near the end of the series. You know, there's lots of trajectories you can go with it. Though. I didn't mean specifically, like, the mechanics of how he's getting them. I meant, like, just him yeah. interacting with the issues at all. Gotcha, yeah. Like, he's gotcha. done it, like, twice now, essentially. And there there was, like, a little thing of, like, oh, can I show her the issues? No, that won't work. So it makes me uh-huh. think that they're sticking around now. Yeah, it is hard to say. I also got that impression, but we don't have confirmation on that. No, and that, that's what I meant by I'm interested in to see, like, I want him to go back and touch on how the the future issues of Shonda Jump are working out. Yeah. Like I said, I still definitely want to keep reading the yeah. series. It's by far my favorite new one. But, like I said, it just didn't have that, like, magical shine that a lot of the chapters have. It okay. just felt like a regular chapter to me. All right. Next we have We Never Learned, Chapter 162, X equals Sleeping Beauty of the Literary Forest, Part 3. And I think I've kind of finally put my finger on what's not working for me in this arc. Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, this arc feels true to Furuhashi in a lot of ways. You know, she always had self-confidence issues and, you know, like a martyr complex in a way. Yep. But she got, we saw her get over it in the, like, original run of the manga. And now we've rewound to before that. Yes. So, like, seeing it happen again isn't nearly as interesting, even if I understand, like, that's the core of her conflict, so you want to revisit it. Like, I feel like having her relapse would have been more interesting. Like, I feel like what I might have done, not to, you know, I he's a very talented manga writer and artist, and I could not do We Never Learned Better Than Him. But I might do something where uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! was dating either Ogata or Uraka, and Furuhashi felt like a third wheel. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a new girl. Uh, and he, the uh, most interesting version might be a new girl, and he goes to Furuhashi like, hey, I need female psychology advice. Senpai, please help me with my girlfriend. Yes. Like, I think that's the ideal version, now that I think about it. Because, you know, Furuhashi's my favorite character, but we've seen her get through this conflict before. And having a broken leg doesn't change it much. And this felt like a very standard Furuhashi plot, where he has to hide while they have girl talk. I mean, it's basically the exact same chapter as the first We Never Learned chapter I read, which is when Uraka and Furuhashi are in the diner, and he's hiding under the table. Yep. And that's... You putting a, a finger on that does make a lot of sense. Because it's like, I even said, this just feels like another chapter that happened in We Never Learn. Mm-hmm. And it still hasn't gotten an ending feeling or is feeling particularly special. It just feels like, yeah, this is just another one of Yu-Gi-Oh! and Furuhashi shenanigans going on. Yeah, and it feels like by far the weakest like Furuhashi Yu-Gi-Oh! arc. Yeah. And it's supposed to be the final one. Whereas, like, I thought, you know, I had my opinions on the Ogata one as an ending, but I thought it was probably the strongest Ogata Yu-Gi-Oh arc. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to say? And I kind of dominated the conversation on that. But, like, this is stuff we've seen before. It's also, it's Valentine's Day and they're making chocolate for him. But again, we saw that in the, you know, the original timeline, so to speak. Yeah. Well, we've seen that even, like, before the timeline split like that. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, I got what you're saying. I thought they had a thing after the timeline split where chocolate was made as well. Maybe, but anyway, yeah, you know, just, it's not doing what it used to do for me. Like I said, this was the arc I was looking forward to. And now I just want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, anything else you wanted to say on it? I'm still liking it. Like it's still, we never learn, but I do agree with you. This is just kind of like, I hope something picks up or this is just kind of kind of be a bit of a flop. And it's not like it's going to make me hate We Never Learn, but it's no, just going to be no. like, all right, cool. There was another We Never Learn arc. Right. You know, the the first ending of We Never Learn was great. So it's always going to have that to fall back on. Yep. That brings us to Act Age Seed 116 more, which starts out with the same reveal as at the end of last chapter, in case you didn't get it. Mm hmm. What did you think of this chapter of Act Age, Kevin? I really liked this chapter of Act Age. I really liked they so they have Kay do the reveal and they cut to like outside of the audition room and they watch all the other people auditioning with Kay being like, 
nope, I can't hack it. I gotta quit and work on the basics. Mm-hmm. And then they cut back into it where she was like, well, how many characters do you have? 12, but they have different faces, so probably more like 30. And if that's not enough, I can do 100. And if that's not enough, I'll do 1,000. Yeah. And it just, like, completely scares the rest of the competition, except for the one lens girl. She sticks around, at least. Yeah. Because she didn't think she was super talented to begin with. So she didn't kind of get knocked down a peg seeing somebody better than her. She was like, I was kind yeah. of expecting to see better actors than me. Yeah. It's like, oh, Keiyunagi, the famous actress I thought was probably better than me, is better than me? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, she's like, this is literally my first, like, acting role. I've been a pop idol. So, like, yeah. sure, I'm good, but I don't think I'm amazing. And then just get knocked flat by somebody better than me. It's like, you know, getting into something. Hey, the world champion at this kind of nut, but the world champion is better than me at this game. Gee, no duh. Yeah. And we see how she cultivated these personnel or worked on her acting by just imitating people in her life and going almost full method with it. Yeah. And how she's been building a repertoire of a bunch of different people, you know, like a bunch of yeah. different mannerisms, a bunch of different stuff like that, which is really neat. Yeah. So then the like actress who she's playing kind of confronts her at the end and is like, like for the first time, I'm jealous because I would want to play me, but I'm too old. Yep. But and you're clearly better than I was when uh this when I was that age. Yep. Yeah. But I was better than but I you know but she doesn't say I'm better than you now. But she says I was better than you in my prime. She doesn't use that phrasing, so it's not really clear if she's saying I was better than you a little later and still am. Or I got the feeling that she said I, I, I was not it, as good of an actor at your age, but I'm a better one now. Like yeah, that's what I took off of it. And then Kay notices that she's the girl from the movie that her director did that you never see her face. Because mm -hmm. Kay looked at the back of her neck and was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> the back of your neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was cool. She was like, wow, literally only the film crew has been able to identify that it's me because you never see my face. Yeah. And she's like, I'm kind of jealous that He's with you now, so I'm going to uh -huh. make him want me again. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked Akage this week. Yeah, it was really good. Anything else you wanted to say on it? Nope. All right. That will bring us to Dr. Stone's E equals 154, Spy versus Spy, which I swear has already been a Dr. Stone title, but that just I think that might just be because it sounds like one. What did you think of Dr. Stone this week? It was pretty good. Yeah. It's just a bit more of like a setup for the conflict going on. Mm-hmm. There's a new character introduced who is a girl on the American side who is kind of a sweet girl. She doesn't want to get anyone hurt, but she's also kind of wary, I guess. Yeah, and she's with... The a, weary doesn't seem quite right, yeah, but... Well, she's with a bunch of ruthless people, so she doesn't want to seem weak, mm -hmm. even though she's not as ruthless as they are, so... Like, it's not to say that she's completely kind-hearted, because she's still toying with the two dudes following her, but she's yeah. like, I absolutely need to not seem weak in front of Zeno and Stanley, I think is the name of the yeah. the military guy. She's like, I absolutely do need to yeah. be at least not weak in front of them. So yeah. she kind of, like, goes along with stuff that she's like, I, I don't think that's a good idea. And it turns out uh, she's wearing a striped dress for the checkerboard so that stanley can snipe dr taj when they find him yes because he's like yeah your uh those stripes on that dress are exactly five inches apart or however long it is so i'll use you to line up my shot uh-huh and he's like they'll definitely accept you if you just like act like you're trying to run away because clearly they're sticking around because they're too kind-hearted yeah they're sentimental so, and uh yeah. you're young-ish like, he doesn't, he says you're, you're about... their age, is what he says. I think he says you're about their age. Like, she might still be yeah. a couple years older than them, but... Well, I think that was just meant to, like, she fits in. Yes. Because, like, they're, they're a range of ages themselves. Yeah. And then we have Senku is like, well, of course you're coming on board. And I love that they're like, wow, I can't believe he's so kind-hearted. And he's like, yes, excellent. Now we can use her to send counter-information. 
Well, I, I also love that um, he's like, well, he is a man and she's a hot blonde. And Sink <laughs> is just like, yes, now we have, now we can pump their spy for information. Well, I think it's great. I think it wasn't just she's a hot blonde. It was like, does Senku have a thing for hot blondes? Because I think the, the Kohaku is like closest thing to a relationship he has. Well, there was the time and he I guess was his wife. Mar- I was like, there was the time he was married, who I think is also I feel a hot like blonde. Of all the fe- yes, but I think of all the female characters, Senku has shown the least interest in her. Not that he's shown a lot in anybody. Yes, but that's from our perspective. He married her, <laughs> according to the other male perspectives. That's true. So that's true. He also divorced her in like less than a minute. Yes, but again, they were like, "Well, maybe he's got a thing for hot blondes." And he does have quite a few around him. Yeah, I I quite like Doctor Stone this week. Yeah, it was good. Last but not least, that brings us to Guardian of the Witch number eighteen, leaving home. What did you think of Guardian of the Witch, Kevin? I'm kind of still disappointed. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it just is exactly the same for me. Like, this arc feels like a, a generic shonen arc. It doesn't feel very dissimilar to last arc. Yeah, especially with the... So it's like they go to another town, they get saved by a witch, but the witch is going to have to leave her family forever, and she puts on a brave face for it because she knows what's going to happen. Her dad, the village chief, knows what's going to happen, but no one else does. And then, it's kind of implied she doesn't know what's going to happen, actually. Like, she knows she's not going to see her anyone for a long time. But they even kind of make comments of, like, yeah, sometimes if they don't know anything, they let them go back to their family to say goodbye. Well, I, I more mean she at least knows that she's not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't necessarily know that shit's going to hit the fan, but she at least knows I'm I'm not coming back here. Even though it's like, yeah. oh, you know, like, uh, it'll be a while, but I'll be able to visit. Yeah. And then Manas was like, as she's leaving, we need to go after her. She had sad face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like very generic shonen stuff. Yeah. Just really didn't do anything for me. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to say I'm done with Guardian of the Witch. It's not like Chainsaw Man where I'm like, get me out of here. But I've really lost, you know, the high hopes I had for it at the start. Mm-hmm. Anything else you wanted to say about Guardian of the Witch? Nope. All right, then, that will bring us into Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment of the show where we rank all 20 chapters, not just the ones we talk about every week, from our least favorite up to our favorite. What do you have at number 20, Kevin? I have a Gravity Boys at number 20. Me too. I did find the first page of a Gravity Boys hilarious this week, and it almost moved it up, just because I always love charts, especially relationship charts. Like, that is a joke aimed square at me. It's too bad about the rest of the chapter. Well, there's also the fact that it's like, here's this complicated relationship chart that's not all that funny for being a complicated relationship chart. Like, half, I thought it was pretty I, good, honestly. I did. Like, half of the chart was people who don't exist in the manga. Yeah, see, and that, that was part of the appeal to me. I thought that joke landed pretty decent. It, it didn't for me. But, like, it would have been funny if there was, like, one, like... Oh, part of the chart down here, here's the relationship between these two people doesn't exist. But, like, it took up the entire bottom half of the chart. And a bunch of the other relationship stuff was like, this is just weird. I mean, I also have it at 20. What do you have at 19? I have Haikyuu at 19. It just kind of lost me a little bit. I know exactly what it was. I got super confused about the action at the end. Because I was like, wait, are we going... Back in time, when he go, he went for a a block that didn't quite work, or like I just got confused by like the last like three or four pages about exactly the sequence of events happening there. Gotcha. I've hiked you a little higher. I think for the thing we talked about, where I like hiking art more than you. Yeah, 
Not much higher, though. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 19. That's fine. Yeah, this, this fight does nothing for me, and that continues to be true. What do you have at 18? I have Bone Collection at 18. And bad bad sign for it that it's behind the Gravity Boys in the book. Yeah. One of the big things for me that really bothered me is he started using technique names when he was using the sword. And if they had even just hung a hat on it the first time where he like shouts out the technique and Peria goes, did you just come up with that on the spot or something like something along that line would have been funny, but it makes it seem like, you know, I, I don't know how to do anything except all these cool sword moves that I've never like at least the first couple of times, like sure. He, for whatever reason, he has instinctive control over her powers, but like, the fact that he's just shouting technique names like here's a cool sounding sword technique name where did you learn it you've held the sword yeah, for I, all of five minutes i put it quite a bit higher but i had some similar problems not with that specifically but with his level of competence yeah that's what's really been bothering me about bone collection like him intrinsically knowing how to use the weapons is kind of okay because he's like borrowing her power so maybe they know how to be used kind of thing but like, for somebody yeah. who's touted as a failure constantly, like, kind of going back to Naruto, where, like, Naruto, the one thing he has going for him is his ridiculous amount of chakra. And so, like... And his never-give-up-itude. Yes, his never-give-up-itude. And so I like that in early Naruto, he still tends to fail at a lot of his things and can just kind of struggle through it. Like, I was a failure, I couldn't do this thing. I worked really hard, learned how to do the yeah. Shadow Clone Jutsu, so now I have one tool that I can use decently well. And he progresses as the story goes on. This is like, I've been a failure uh, the whole... Not to interrupt you, but uh, uh, just to support your point on your works really hard, like, when he succeeds early on, it's almost always comes, like, in cost of blood. Mm -hmm. Like, he's usually, like, bleeding when he has succeeded at something. Go on. Yeah. Versus in this, it's like, I was a failure. I only knew how to do this one spell that I did once. And now it's like, oh, I can dodge around and save you from all these zombie things and then use all these cool techniques and I know how to do all of this stuff. And it's like, where where is this coming from? Yeah. I have Haikyuu at 18. Okay. <laughs> what do you have at 17? I have Undead and Unluck at 17. Okay. It, this uh, was... I thought a lot of the stuff it was introducing was really interesting. I, I do get... I'm not super excited about it. I will say, I suppose at this point, I thought most of the stuff in Shonen Jump this week I found kind of disappointing. I don't think most of it. A good chunk of it. For me, though, the the thing with Undead and Luck is it was like, all right, this is kind of cool. So they added a galaxy, but it just kind of had me going, so where did we go from here? Kind of like, yeah. that was the, like, I was like, all right, cool. So they, like, hung a hat on the fact that there weren't any stars and Unluck had the ability, she was like, why did you draw them with Saz? Oh, well, I wanted the moon to have friends. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And, like, literally the universe didn't exist until right now. Yeah. But it has me just going like, so where do we go from here? Because it's, now they're off to go find another negator, or, like, the world will potentially end. Well, I think they have two more strikes before the world ends. It, it is a little ambiguous, but that's the way I read it. Yes, that they have two more strikes. You're, you're correct. They have two more strikes before the world one. But there's just... Honestly, I think two more strikes is kind of shortchanging yourself. Like, I like the fact that they're like, yeah, we've got this stone tablet. And maybe if there was like ten more or something like that, so like you could have a bit of a series. But when it's literally, you have to win the next two engagements or everyone dies. I mean, maybe they can figure out a way around that. But I was like, that's really shorting your story. I don't think... I feel like they just have to not... Like, they have two more failures, is how I read it. So, like, you can fail one more time to really raise the stakes. But they're pretty high already? That's how I saw it. I, I don't think it's that bad. And they also, just given the mechanics, always have the ability to win more chances, although that's a little cheap. I, I think putting yourself on a deadline like that is pretty normal storytelling. Okay. I have Guardian of the Witch at 17, for a lot of the same reasons. Mm -hmm. Just like I said, I'm, I'm not interested in the story. The new character doesn't do much for me. It just feels like it's playing the same tune all over and over. Mm -hmm. What do you have at 16? Guardian of the Witch. Okay. 
I have Martial Magic and Muscles at 16. Okay. I didn't hate it, but like I said, Martial's at its weakest when it's like kind of typical shonen, and none of the jokes really landed for me. Like, and the first time this character with the sister complex showed up, I thought the sister jokes were really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And this time they just didn't land nearly as well. I gotcha. What do you have at 15? So I have Mitama at 15. Okay. It was still pretty funny. Like, I do love the joke that the Polar Fist star, or whatever the name of the move is, is like... It's better the more embarrassed you are. The more the more dorky you look. Not necessarily the yes. more embarrassed you are, well, but it's like, the yeah. stupider you look, the more powerful the technique is. And at the end, Rina being like, well, I don't know, maybe I can like it regardless of how dorky it looks. And he's like, he goes into his <laughs> ultimate attack, and she's just, nope, can't do it. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's super good. And like, the visual humor is difficult to convey. I thought it was pretty good, too. I put it not super high, but higher. I have a bone collection at 15. Okay. I, the, and, like, the fight with the shooting dogi, I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, again, there's a lot of the style of humor I like. I really want to like bone collection. Mm-hmm. But bone collection is starting to make it hard. What do you have at 14? I have Jujitsu Kaisen at 14. Okay. I kind of think it's kind of neat that they're essentially, they're being saved by a corpse. Where yeah. he's, it's like he's dead, but his body is literally going to fight until it is dis- is completely destroyed, essentially. Even if he manages to beat this Cthulhu thing, which it looks like he does at the end, they're like, we have to go fight that next because it's just on a rampage. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of neat. I got Hell's Paradise at 14. Okay. I, I really, at this point, don't know what to say about Hell's Paradise. I, I Every time I think, okay, I understand where we are now, I get lost again. But it's pretty, and I like the emotional content at the end. Mm-hmm. What do you have at Lucky 13? I have Mori King at 13. I did like Mori King. I thought, I really like the fact that when they find out that the one dude is a cockroach, Shoko gets a surprised look on her face that stays for the rest of the manga, which is pretty mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. And... I feel like it kind of just serves to introduce a new character and kind of a new mechanic. Yeah. Although I put it, it's the highest of the kind of comedy book. Well, I guess it depends on what you consider the comedy books. Mm -hmm. Shonen Jump's actually got a lot of comedy now. Yes. I have Mitama at 13, and we kind of talked about all the reasons why. Okay. What do you got at 12? I have Mashal at 12. I just, I kind of like the fight where the fact that Mashal's like, I don't know how to swim, and so we got to figure out how exactly that's going to work out, but the one gravity magic dude being like, alright, I just need to crush this dude. But the owls. My sister would be sad if I killed some owls. Yeah. <laughs> and just the one guy who's doing the, like, I like that they're making fun of the, the shonen thing where they're like, uh, let me say an excellent one-liner. And the guy being like, you said that, I'm. we've seen this guy do that before, but it's like, you said that like it was some big philosophical revelation. With just like common sense. Yeah. And then he turns it around at the end. It was like, uh, you know who's going to win the fight? The guy fighting for his sister. Like I said, if that joke had landed, I probably would have liked it a bit more, but it didn't for me. Yeah, so I it only went a couple of spots higher for me, because I did like that joke. I have Undead Unluck at 12. Again, just because like, the concept stuff it's playing with, I find super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a clear direction forward, unlike you. Although, we didn't even talk about how there's an alien invasion in this chapter that gets defeated in the middle of it, and it's not a problem anymore. Which is not my favorite. I do like that we get to see Miliardo Peacecraft in this. That's a that's a joke. For people who aren't you. Yeah, I, like, that was honestly another kind of thing wrong with it. It was like, alright, so we added Galaxy, but I literally defeated this one thing instantaneously without even really trying. So mm-hmm. it's a both raising of the stakes, and I was like, well, I'm, if we can just e- easily defeat the bad thing, then who cares? Yeah. What do you have at 11? I had Mission Yozakura at 11. I liked Mission Yozakura. I liked the Tayo has to go on a date and then kind of gets into super security mode with Mitsumi and is doing all these crazy things. But he finds out that the the dolphins are actually like trained spies. And yeah. is like, hey, sorry, I've been like super paranoid on our date. I know you wanted to, 
I know you didn't just want to come here for the legend, but that was probably playing a role in it. Because there's a legend that if you watch the Dolphin show as a couple, you'll fall in love or you'll stay in love forever or whatever. But also, they were sent by the guy from last week because he's also just seen a bunch of couples like break under the pressure of the legend, basically. Yes. Although it has kind of the same ending as last week. But again, I put it higher, so. Mm-hmm. I have Mori King at 11. I don't know that I have anything more to say on it. Okay. What do you have at 10? I have Chainsaw Man at 10. I really like the thing of Aki being like, all right. He goes to Makima, and he's like, I don't want to fight the Gun Devil. She's like, that's fine. Division 4 doesn't have to defeat the Gun Devil. Denji and Power do, though, because they're special, so we're going. So, But you don't have to if you don't want to. And he's like, I... Oh. Yeah. And he, yeah, and... And he just caves and is like, alright, can I go? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I'd rather be there if, uh, if they're going to have to be there. And the future Devil has told him that Denji is going to kill him in power. Yep. Basically. And then kind of hinting at the fact that maybe the Chainsaw Devil is the devil that all other devils fear. Yeah. Which might make sense. They've been really hinting at it, like yeah. the shark dude hinted at it that like yes. devils are terrified of the sound of an engine revving in hell. So this could be really cool. So it's like got this really yeah. weird thing going on. Which is at least interesting, which definitely makes me want to stick with Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I mean, it's weird how Chainsaw Man is so much better between arcs than in arcs, isn't it? Yes. But it's working, so, like, I'm not going to complain too much. Because just when I'm about, like, eh, I don't know, maybe I'm out. And then it's like, hey, here's this cool (laughs) secret thing that might be happening. Okay, you have my attention again. I just wish it would be more consistent. Yeah. I have We Never Learn at 10. Okay. Might be the rate lowest I've ever rated We Never Learn. But I kind of talked about my criticisms of it in pretty in-depth when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it got a few laughs out of me, but more than Mori King, which is why it went above it. But, you know, probably my least favorite We Never Learn arc. What do you got at nine? We Never Learn. Like okay. I said, it's just, it's still good. Like, if this had happened in the middle of We Never Learn, I would have been like, this is a pretty decent we never learn. Like, not my favorite for a Hashi arc, but, like, this is cute and funny. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even laughing at it that much, although maybe that's a problem of expectation. Yeah. What do you have I at have nine? I have Time Paradox Ghostwriter at nine. Okay. Like I said, it just felt like a normal chapter, so... I gotcha. I didn't dislike it, but... It, a lot of stuff got me more excited. Uh, so I have Akashi Triangle at eight. It seems, like you said, it was very generic starter except for the gender swap thing, which could be interesting, which is why I put it up there, along with the art being extremely good. Yeah. I have Mission Yuzakura Family at 8. Okay. No more to say on that, but it felt like above average slightly. What do you have at Lucky 7? I have Hell's Paradise at number 7. I think one of the reasons I've been liking it a bit more than you recently is I managed to get caught up on it. So like yeah, I know that probably helps. I know more of the back like even you said the emotional bit at the end with the girl and the blind samurai. I know more about mm-hmm. that, so it's more impactful. And I've been liking a lot of these other these other characters where I'm like, yes, I know everything about these guys because I've actually read the whole thing. I have Chainsaw Man at seven. Okay. Again, just the concept stuff, super good. Like I said when we were talking about when we were raving about Last Sayuki every week, it was for stuff like this. Yep. What do you have at six? I have Dr. Stone at six. Same. Yeah, it's good Dr. Stone. I, I liked it. I'm interested to see where the rest of this arc goes. What do you have at five? I have One Piece at five. Same. It's It was a good One Piece, but it even though there was a ton of stuff going on, it's just kind of a beat of like, Luffy's going to fight one of the Toby Ropo. Marco's coming to help out. Here's what Law's doing. Here's what Kinemon's doing. You know, we're getting ready to set up for all these fights. So it's like, mm-hmm. even though it is just a beat of like, here's here's the lineup for this next round, I'm still really interested in it. What do you have at number four? I have Act Age in them. I did really like this chapter of Act Age. I really liked Kay demoralizing the other two actor people into being like, I need to get back to the basics. This chick is insane. And then mm-hmm. the bit at the end with the the other actor lady being like, I'm going to steal the director back from you. Uh-huh. I have promised Neverland at four. Okay. Again, just 
Couldn't quite crack the top three, I didn't think. Even though there were some emotional bits. Mm -hmm. What is in your top three? I've got Time Paradox Ghost Rider at number three. Like I said, I really liked the moment where I know is like, you need to make your White Knight and him kind of realizing, yes, I do. Otherwise, I'm just trying to recreate your White Knight and that doesn't do a service to anybody. Yeah. I get Ayakashi Triangle at three. A lot of it on the strength of the art and sort of the, the end twist. There's a lot of ways that could go wrong, but hopefully it'll go right. And just like I was more excited about something new than I was about Promise Neverland fading away. So it seemed right to put it above it. That's fair. What do you have at number two? I have My Hero at number two. I'm really liking My Hero, and this was a really cool arc. But for me, I think Promise Neverland got a bit of ending bias just because it was fair. the final chapter. And I did kind of enjoy it. Like, it, it's not the best ending, but it was a good ending and definitely not a bad ending, which is a lot better than a lot of other things in general have. Like, I know there's, I like that it's open-ended, that kind of always want them leaving more is definitely good for a series. Like, manga, movies, anything like that, good endings are hard to do. And I think this one at least manages to make definitely a not bad one and a fairly decent one. So I thought it was pretty good. I have Act Agent number two. Okay. No more to say on it. Strong stuff. You kind of already talked about your number one. Is there anything else you want to say about Promise Neverland? No, not really. And I got my hero at number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, well, then this is what I want my hero to be. Preferably every week, but especially since I feel like I haven't been getting it at all lately. Yeah. Super nice to have it. And that will do it for Shonen Jump this week. We were, we read a Fairy Tale, Volume 1, and we will be talking about that after the break. So we read Fairy Tale Volume 1 this week. Like I said, I'm almost completely unfamiliar with it. It hit, you know, big and popular right when I was probably my most out of anime. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was aware of it, but it always seemed kind of generic to me. And then later I found out it was by the guy who did Rave Master, which I actually fairly liked Rave Master. But I never actually got around to consuming it. What is your deal with Fairy Tale, Kevin? So I started reading Fairy Tale because I was starting to get into manga and it was like one of the top four. So I was like, yeah, read Bleach, Naruto, One Piece, and Fairy Tale. Those are like some of the biggest names. Because <laughs> I remember on one of the scan sites that I would read off of, they had like a ranking. And so Fairy Tale was yeah, up yeah. there all the time. I don't know exact. I don't know exactly what your you uh, came in, but I, I can't help but imagine Fairy Tale was a pretty distant fourth. Like... Yes and no. The big thing being that it was like, it was just the top, it was like the fourth yeah, ranked yeah, yeah. one. It, it, it wasn't like it had numbers. Yeah. It, it was just, here's number, you know, One Piece, number one, Naruto, number two, Bleach, number three, Fairy Tale number four. Uh-huh. And, and so that's when I started doing it. And then I've watched bits and pieces of the anime because I read the manga. Because that mm -hmm. was when, initially I'd been watching the One Piece anime got into the manga because that was ahead on the story. And then the exact opposite happened where I was reading what or I was reading fairy tale. And so I started watching the anime because it was available. Uh-huh. So fairy tale is by Hiro Mashima, who was not originally, but for a long time, he was an assistant of Odai writing One Piece. Mm -hmm. And I read what, uh, Fairy, uh, Rave Master, like I said, and for whatever reason, it just didn't click then. But reading this, I see so much of that, like, One Piece style in his work. Mm -hmm. That, like, it just clicked kind of right away. And I couldn't not see it. Like, in particular, Lucy looks so much like Nami to me. Like, obviously there are some differences in the character design, but so much, many of her face like shots just look exactly like Nami. To the point where it's distracting and 
what is the main character's name? I want to say Naka. That's not right. Natsu. I, have, I actually did write that. And Natsu doesn't look like Luffy, but his he behaves like Luffy. Like, he throws his arms up in the air in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's just got such a similar energy to it, and, like, a very similar first chapter in that it takes place on a ship with a person who's kind of repugnant for different reasons. One of them is physically, the other one is sort of in method. But I couldn't help but notice that, and it doesn't have, like, the fight scene energy that Odai's work has. Mm-hmm. Like, the fight scenes aren't bad, but they're definitely nothing special. This didn't run in Shonen Jump. I'm not going to say it couldn't hack it in Shonen Jump, but I feel like if it was showing up today, like if it was a brand new series announced right now, my opinion on it would very much be similar to early Guardian of the Witch, which is like, this has some interesting stuff, but like, I don't see how it stands out. I don't see what niche it can carve. Like, and I kind of don't see how it got so popular just from this first volume, which is only four chapters, the first three of which are all self-contained stories. And then the fourth one starts an arc. Yeah. I think one of the things is how prominent Lucy is as a character. Like, I'm not going to say that Nami's a background no, character. Certainly, but... Lucy seems like the the number two character in this series, which I don't know that One Piece actually has a number two character, but it's not a female character. Mm-hmm. I think my problem with that is that Lucy is usually put in compromising situations, even with her extra time. Like, she needs to be saved a lot, at least in these early stories. Yeah. She, I don't want to say she doesn't seem capable, but she doesn't seem like she's in control of her destiny very much. Like, even her j- goal is to join the fairy tale guild, but she does that, you know, because she happens to run into Natsu, not because of anything she does. She doesn't do something to impress him mm-hmm. and earn it in the way. But she's also very much the viewpoint character, kind of similar to Dragon Ball with Bulma and Goku. Natsu is this, you know, kind of very powerful, larger than life character. And Bulma is the more down-to-earth one. And while it's not as bad as some of the stuff, some of the humiliations Bulma had to go through because of that, I get a very similar feeling. It doesn't feel like, you know, she's trying to work hard to be one of the guys. Like, it doesn't feel like she's earned a place among equals. It feels like she is this... Not Accessory isn't the right word either, but it feels like she's just kind of being dragged along for the ride. Yeah. That does change fairly quickly. Yeah, and if... Like I said, it's only four chapters that we read. I could see it improving. It wouldn't even be that hard. They seem to be making, like, motions to her to be more involved. Like, in the fourth chapter, basically, Natsu comes to her and is like, hey, I want to team up and be a a party, basically. Let's go do this mission. And then the rest of the chapter is kind of, you know, a cameo of of Blue from Rave Master, plus explaining the mechanics of how her magic works and set up. You know, it's not a bad first chapter of a story, but yeah, I just, I didn't super like the way Lucy was portrayed. And like I said, I found it distracting how similar she is visually to Nami. Not even just like, oh, she looks like her, but the expressions are all very much the same. Mm -hmm. Which, like I said, Natsu has all the same expressions as Luffy, but at least he has a pretty different character design. Although I can't help but feel like he was uh, very influenced by One Piece in a way that I'm surprised more series don't feel, if I'm being honest. Because one of the reasons Luffy is a you know a stretchy rubber man is Odai wanted him to have a fighting style that was kind of fun and nonviolent. And Natsu has the power to mm-hmm. basically eat things you know, that he burns up, and that has a similar feel. And that's kind of goofy, but you know has a lot of applications in a fight. But, yeah. like I said, the the fight scenes here just don't have the strength that One Piece fight scenes do. Or even Rave Master fight scenes, I thought, had a little bit more energy. Maybe he's just better at drawing weapon combat, because none of the characters in this are armed. At least that mm-hmm. have appeared so far. Most of them stayed not armed. Gotcha. Although, more and more complex magic starts getting added. Well, you'd almost so. have to, right? I don't necessarily yeah. blame it for starting simple, either. You know, Lucy has summon powers... Natsu basically has fire powers. Basically, yeah. It's almost simpler than that, even. And, like, it just feels generic in a lot of ways. Like, the one line where she's like, oh, we all have mysterious and dark backgrounds and pasts, like, is such a weird thing to say, I feel like, even if, you know, it should be true for the story to be better. Saying it out mm-hmm. loud seemed really on the nose. I didn't hate Fairy Tale. I just didn't think it really stood out. And, like, it didn't make me really want to reach for the next volume either. 
Although I also feel like if you've read all of One Piece, you've read all of Bleach, you've read all of Naruto, and you want more, I can see why you would come here. And that's that's a lot of what it was. Obviously, I was reading it when I was younger, so I wasn't making in-depth analysis like that. It honestly kind of does make sense that a ex-assistant of Odai would have, you know, like, oh, this looks a lot like Nami and Luffy. Well, if you've been drawing Nami and Luffy for several yeah, years... Yeah. Even if you're only helping Odai draw Nami and Luffy for several years, you're probably going to be like, "All right, so I need to make a female." No, that's just Nami. All right, let's let's change a little bit. Yeah, it, it's more how similar she is. Like, and it could be that the guy's style developed more as he went on. I don't know if she looks more distinct by the end. I do think it is a bit more of it develops a little bit during the thing or during the course of the manga, but it is a lot of, hey. I've been looking for more manga to read and I've, you know, I'm caught up on One Piece. I'm caught up on Naruto. I'm caught up on Bleach. I want more. Hey, here's more. This is still pretty good. Like when you're comparing, you know, if you're stuck comparing something to One Piece and being like, this isn't as good as One Piece. A lot of things aren't as good as One Piece. That doesn't mean I'm not going to stop reading them. Yeah, it just seems odd to me that it got so popular. Though, you know, I can see this being number one in something that's, you know, competing with Shonen Jump. It didn't really have to compete with uh, Bleach and Naruto in One Piece. It only kind of had to. It is one of those things that it's like, when you take a swing at the king, you best not miss. And when I see all this One Piece Mm -hmm. in it, you know, but I don't see the energy that Odai puts into fight scenes and the like, and it doesn't have the same, you know, caliber of villain. Like, it's very easy Mm -hmm. to see what it's missing because it is so close to something that isn't missing those. I will say the villains definitely start getting way yeah, to better. be fair uh you know the early one piece villains aren't any better than this the mountain bandit yeah. king elvira and axand morgan aren't anything to write home about yep but it you know it seems lacking in a voice everything that happens seems very generic and by the numbers to me like i said though it's almost surprising that more series haven't borrowed as much from one piece as this one has in like mm-hmm. tone of characters and such and you know I am comparing this disfavorably to Naruto. Naruto didn't do anything with its female characters either. Yeah. Lucy just, I think, feels more egregious to me because you're right. She is at the front more. And I think that could be a strength for the series. But at least so far, like, she's already accomplished her goal. So I don't really know what she wants besides more money to, I don't know, buy things. It comes out fairly soon, I think. Next, like, I I was honestly surprised that Volume 1 was only four chapters. I thought it was going to be longer. Because I think it's, like, during this mission, more of her backstory gets revealed and part of the, like, more of her motivation comes in. Because, like, that's one of the nice things is she stays a major character for a very long time. Like, basically the lens for most of the series that... I yeah, can remember. she's definitely the most interesting character in Fairy Tale, but like, even with that, I don't find her especially interesting. I guess, mm-hmm. like, because I don't really know why she wanted to join Fairy Tale. Like, it kind of says, but it seems to just be like super shallow reasons of the magazine she liked says they're cool. Yeah, like, and even that messaging just sort of seems like it seems very designed and by committee, and it's kind of like this is a popular thing. This kind of protagonist is good. You should have a a cute heroine as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just, it didn't really grasp me. Is there anything else you wanted to say on a uh, fairy tale? I still like fairy tale. This would definitely be something that I would, especially because I found out fairy tale is on the Crunchyroll manga app, which is why ah. I read this one. So like I knew volume one was only chapter four and a half, but it was, the app was only slightly confusing to go through. Cause like when you click on the series, it lists all of the volumes, but when you click on the reader, you can just continue through chapters. So it like, it didn't give me the volume break until I went to chapter five and suddenly there was a page for volume two. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? But I still like, I like the quirkiness. A lot of the side characters that we get introduced into this gray with his, almost always being naked, the guild leader being able to turn into a giant. Yeah, I suppose that's another thing I should say that I didn't really mention. Very few of the jokes landed for me. There are, like, one or two of them, but, like, those quirky characters, like, part of what I was saying when I felt said it felt generic and kind of by numbers, 
it felt like you said, okay, let's just throw a lot of quirk in here. And none of that really landed. There are some better setup jokes um, at different points in it. But a lot of the character stuff felt like they're quirky for the sake of being quirky. Mm-hmm. I know, I just kind of liked the ragtag bunch of misfits vibe that all the fairy tale had mm-hmm. going. Anything else you wanted to say on it? Nope. All right, that just leaves us with personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment of the show where we rank manga characters from best to worst. Speaking of Naruto, he's number one. At the very bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And dead in the center, we have Buggy the Clown from One Piece. Do we put Lucy on or do we put Natsu on? I will leave that up to you. You are the fairy tale expert. I feel like I definitely got more of a uh, handle on Lucy, but Natsu is referred to yeah, as I the would, protagonist at, at multiple points. Yeah, I would put Lucy on, especially because you have more of a handle on her, as opposed to Natsu, who you don't have as yeah. much of. Okay. So the character that I started comparing to to were Nami, who I definitely don't think she's as good as. And Bulma, who I would also say she's definitely not as good as. Yeah, she still has a bit more of that I'm the mm-hmm. lens character. So, like, because the story's being told through her, we don't want to give her not too much personality, but she loses just a little bit because of that. I don't think she's quite as good as Yona from Yona of the Dawn. What do you think about that? I do think she's a bit better than Yona of the Dawn, but that's just because of I know a bunch of the stuff that happens later, like... One of the reasons why she's wandering around looking for the fairy tale guild and a lot more of the character development because I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, I can defer to you because you have more information. I, I typically do. Just to me, Yona right now is a, a comatose <laughs> girl. Uh, what do you about Claire from Claymore? She's above there. I probably should have stopped by her on the way. I think I like her more than Claire as well. Claire's just kind of got that emotionless thing going, which is cool and interesting but i like a lot of the levity that lucy can bring into the situation a bit above claire we have fuko from flame of Rekka, who i kind of want to fight you on say she's definitely not as good as her but i will defer to you if you're uh no that you're the expert that's totally fair no i would put fuka above lucy as well because she does tend to get damseled quite a lot claire we have akito takagi from bakuman i'd probably argue for her below him as well they are both, you know, the, the sidekick yeah, that, sort of secondary protagonist character. Yeah, but that's fair. I, I could put Does her below him last as well. name? Yes. Hertfilia. But I think it's a spoiler. Okay, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it wouldn't be... I was like, it, yeah, I was like, it's technically a spoiler, but thinking back on it now, it like, it's a spoiler if you know the spoiler yeah. already, which doesn't make any I, sense, I but imagine. like... Her last name has her last name has meaning yeah. in universe. Okay, so Lucy Hartfilia from Fairy Tale will go at number twenty-four above Claire and below Akito Takagi. That does it for this week. Next week, speaking of Bakuman, we will be reading Bakuman Volume Six, which is very exciting because yeah. it's my favorite. Until then, our opening theme is "Fighting Against One's Will" by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is "A Psychic Fistfight" by Tom W. Emmerich. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website, where you can find my other podcasts, including Last Time on Video Games, which should have returned this week. There should be a brand new episode, if you want to give that a listen, as well as It's a Gundam. Both of our What's a Gundam episodes are now in the public feed, or I should say three, all the ones we've recorded. So if you want to listen mm-hmm. to us talking about Gundam Wing, you can do that there www.patreon.com slash lastpodcasts is our Patreon page where you can support us if you would like. Is there anything you'd like to talk about this week, Kevin? Nope. All right. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Got
stop.